Sometimes food is more than just food. Actually, all the time, food is more than just food. It's part of our community. So this year, Discover is giving $5 million to support Black-owned restaurants, to places like Rodney Scott's Barbecue, Post Office Pies, and hundreds more. Learn how you can show your support at discover.com. Thought I'd just start it off with a little nostalgia. Hey, right, Melissa Elliott. Oh, my friends say <laughs> I can do better than you. Sing, <laughs> Praise the Lord, niggas. Sing. Praise the Lord, niggas. We are back, and we are black, and we are here to talk about the ghettos of adulting. Quite hood. Man, Quite hood. It's just hard out here, but we are grateful um, and glad to support each other through this journey, navigating adulting, the good, the bad, the ugly, the tests, the trials, the twists, the turns, the temptations, and the taxes of being a real life adult in the year of our Lord. 2020. Ooh, that's, that's thin. That is that is thin. <laughs> the year of our Lord. <laughs> I mean, it's still his. Year. How you feeling, sis? <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, yeah. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm okay. I am grateful. <laughs> I am grateful. It's just another day that the Lord has kept me, and I. That's really just. I'm just taking it one minute at a time. Um, and that's pretty much all I got. That's the. That's the long and the short of it. Same thing. I'm just working. You can hear the tired in my voice. I am, uh, but I'm grateful. I have no complaints. I'm grateful to be working, grateful for all of the support as you all support us every single week with this here show. We got some trash to get into, though, and it's it's big trash, so we should go ahead and head on over there. All right, if we must. Okay, so there, I, it's just not really too many good things going on right now. I wasn't going to really put this in the trash, but Lovey put a nice post up that I thought made a lot of sense. And so I said, let me go ahead and throw it in there. So Kanye. Mm-hmm. Kanye needs some help. Kanye is having a um, manic episode. I think this is what is going he on. He is. I, I really feel like that's what's going on. I am not a therapist. I am not a psychologist. I am not a psychologist. I am Same. not any of whatever, whatever, whatever's going on. Same. But I do believe he is having an episode. Absolutely. Um, Lovey made a really good point, though, because, you know, a lot of people are making comments and, you know, I'm sure we've all been guilty of it. I know I've been guilty of saying some of the same things, not recently, but in the past. They're like, Kim, you need to get them. You know, how does she feel about the? You know, basically like putting the onus and the responsibility on on her. And while this is not at all, we don't cape for anything Kardashian over here. <laughs> um, it's not her responsibility. She could be enabling him, but this is 
it, the onus does not just fall on her for the episode that he's having. Um, I do think Kanye needs some help. I do think that somebody needs to try to help him. But I also recognize that that can be very hard, especially with adults, you know, when they're lucid enough to say, I can control these things in my life. And you do have people around them who enable them, enable, you know, their behavior in certain ways. Um, it, it gets really sticky, but I don't want to make light of what's happening right now. While I wholly think Kanye has issues, I saw a post earlier that said he's misogynistic. He is self-hating and none of those things have anything to do with his mental illness. And it's very dangerous to associate those things mm -hmm. with his mental illness. Um, I fully agree with that. But I also it's very clear to me that he is a person who needs some help. Absolutely. So I hope he's able to find it. I really do. I really hope he's able to find it. Um, so there is a black woman who by the name what is this lady's name Bevelyn Beatty oh Christ <laughs> who has been running around just, defacing Black Lives Matter but signs she did more and, than one I know that she flew monuments. to New York to deface the one on, yep. on in front of Trump Tower but I didn't know that she had been on tour so she decided that she was going to go on tour and uh, she did the one across from the Trump Towers and then can, came on over to Brooklyn. I wish I would have seen Man, her doing it listen. with a can of black paint. Here we here we are again with this one can. <laughs> and um, <laughs> there's a there is one. Uh, there's a Black Lives Matter Memorial right on Fulton and Marcy uh, near the TD Bank. And so she decided she was going to come over with her can of black paint. And try to deface that one as well. And then there was one other one. And I can't remember where the location is. But yeah, I your saw, girl's been um, on an award tour. I saw her carrying with some, on one of her mans. in Newark. I think she was in Newark Airport. I don't know if she was flying home after she finished her tour of defacing um, these whatever. But um, she was fighting and arguing because I think she was flying JetBlue. And the flight attendant told her that she needed to have a mask on So. She went on live mm -hmm. and was just, you know, cooning and carrying on. Charles, she says she's doing God's work. She's she, doing the she Lord's just work. She stop lying on the Lord. And I think that she will have to absolutely pay for lying <laughs> on. Like, you know, Jesus, I done told y'all. Lying. Jesus is going to get tired of y'all lying on him. And I want y'all to know that this white man that, that y'all think that is hanging up in most churches and painted on the walls in most churches. Y'all got tattooed on yourselves and everywhere else. That white man, I don't know how y'all going to feel when Jesus busts the sky wide open and y'all going to be looking like Idris Elba. <laughs> and then y'all going to feel real cheap and come up short. You're going to come up short. But I just hope you're ready. I'm just, she went to jail. She got arrested after the first one. And then got out and kept carrying on. I just don't even know like I'm just she's just she's a terrorist and that's just that on that that's just how I feel <laughs> period I don't have anything else to say about this lady and her kinky twist she can continue to go all around the world and make a clown of herself if that's, what she chooses, if that's what she chooses to do 
I just listen when when the her name's not even Beverly. It's Bevelyn. It's mess. Kind of name. It's, it is mess. And when the Lord, I don't care what her name is. When the Lord gets tired, he gonna get he tired enough. When he get tired of her uh, running around the country with his name in her mouth. He gonna take care of that, on. and that's just gonna be it. <laughs> the can't wait. Period. Um, in really really sad news, uh. Tamar Braxton, um, it's and this is a trigger warning, uh, attempted suicide. They're saying um, that I, okay, so they're reporting that she that that please. is what. No, no, no. I feel like the um, from what I heard, we we haven't got a confirmed report, um, but this is based on what what the um, I think like I don't know if news outlets or what have you are deducing based on kind of like some other factors, you know, things that were said. Um, in uh the the nine one one call and you know police reports and what have you. Hey Noah, I don't know if Hi. how are you. I'm good. You good? I like your headband. What are you doing? We recording. What you doing? <laughs> like what? Like give me. The... <laughs> what are you doing? We recording. What she you said doing? We're recording. Um, I'm about to eat dinner. You about to do what? I'm about to eat dinner. Oh, what you, you gonna go have for dinner? Shower. You smell like outside. Oh, Auntie Kia said, what are you gonna have for dinner? I don't know. Oh. They already took a shower at Nana's. Well, you smell like outside. Go on. <laughs> okay. Except Noah. Please go and close the door. Okay, you don't smell like potato chips. Please close the door. Please. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying, but yes. Um, I'm sorry. No. Oh, yes. Tamar. Um, they're they're yes. saying um, her boyfriend made a call to police mm-hmm. saying that he found her um, and she had taken Un- some... Unconscious. Some, yeah, she was unresponsive. She had taken some pills and he was pretty sure that mm-hmm. she had had some alcohol. So um, from what I did hear today, she has been moved to another facility and she's now responsive or whatever um, okay good. so I'm, I'm i feel like progress is being made um and i'm you know listen i said on twitter like you know who is hosting the shut-in for tamar uh, tamar is a church baby very much like myself and i feel like in these times we need to band together and lift tamar up now we all know that you know everyone has had their opinions about young tamar uh you know throughout throughout the years but all mm-hmm. of that to the left right now we need to band together and stand to you know raise tamar high um so we're hoping and praying Mm -hmm. that you know she gets whatever treatment she needs and that um you know we can see her on the other side of this um absolutely absolutely um i was very sad to hear that actually uh when i first heard i was like that that i was really disheartening and also in other bizarre but sad news so we it happened a few days ago but it happened it happened not too long after we last recorded so megan the stallion okay yes because i'm confused but please yeah she was shot in so she was cut she apparently she was pool party hopping with her best friend and tori lanes um so the best friend wasn't in the car with them with them 
the best friend was in the car as well. Okay. So the they went to the that Kylie Jenner pool party at some point during that night, and during a couple of other ones apparently. Okay. During that was my first thought. You know, that's what I'm. Saying. And then um, they apparently some shots went off and and the police were called and they were pulled over. Now, when they were pulled over, Megan got out of the car and she, you know, the police had her walk backwards. It was clear that she had been injured in her feet. There was blood on the ground and um, they, and it was clear she was injured when she laid on the ground. They had her best friend out of removed from the vehicle she did the same thing and tori it looked as if tori the person who is tori was laying on the ground they had already had him down they said there was some sort of altercation that happened in the vehicle that was reported i don't know what it was over or anything and megan and her friend wanted to get out of the vehicle that's what was reported he did not want to let them out of the vehicle and then shot at her foot Mm. and then proceeded to shoot at the other one Mm. So there's also been reports from his ex. Um, she popped up and said that he did a, he did abuse her in the past. Yes, um, I heard that he for has have a past, an extended a history, period a of time of, of aggression mm-hmm. um, and aggressive mm-hmm. behavior toward women specifically. Yes, uh, I did not know. Uh, you know what? You can't anybody who is aggressive and disrespectful and dangerous towards women you have you you know you don't know what they're capable of just to hear a story like this especially in 22 but to hear this story that this that it went so far as for this man to pull something out and shoot this girl in the feet is wild i don't know it, it is, is it is absolutely wild. wild it's scary um because it is it's frightening it is literally like unbelievable like it's like what like when you first heard it like first, I first came across the story. It was kind of just like, okay, somebody's lying. This is like, this can't have happened. Like this, this is doesn't weird. make any right. sense. Um, and you know, it's really sad and it and it's really scary, right? To to mm-hmm. know that um, whatever the case, um, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know the details. I don't know. We were not there. We don't have any information as to kind of what right. led up to this, but. Um, it was clear. I mean, I guess we can all kind of deduce. I'll say, I don't want to say it was clear that Megan and her friend got in the car with Tori. But so at one point they they were friends. Or I mean, it was yeah. It was never a, a matter of. I guess they didn't feel like their their safety was in question at all, and Mm-mm. you know to know that things could kind of escalate, um, so fast and so terribly, <laughs> um. To the point mm-hmm. where, like you know, mm-hmm. I don't like I don't understand this. That that that's what's scary to me because anything could happen, right? I mean, we've all been there. We've all been going from one place to the next and just hop in the car with somebody, you know, just kind of like, how do we get here? But yeah, I pray. And that, what's just as frightening? Yeah. Oh my bad. No, no, no. I was just gonna say I pray that you know. Um, I mean, Meg has been saying that she's fine and she's healing. Um, and. You know, she's going to be making some changes as far as like the kind of company she keeps and all this other stuff. But, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, even beyond just kind of the physical of it, that, you know, she can get some healing around the emotional trauma of of an experience like this. Because what the heck, man? I so that's where so she put out a statement. Um, So it was also reported that the witnesses were not cooperating with the police, like they weren't letting them know what was going on. And that's where it's going to be hard 
to get him on on that assault charge. They did get him on um, possession of a weapon charge, but that was it. So Megan put out a statement not too long after that saying how frightening and traumatizing the situation was and how black women are not protected and how she hates that it took this incident in order for her to protect her energy and who's around her. Um, With that statement came so many things because, you know, I have my own speculation as to why some people may not be cooperating you know we have this whole thing about snitch culture and so forth that was i don't we there nothing has been confirmed so this is just you know based off of assumption and reading and just my own personal common sense but it's she's she's right black women are not protected and if it's so much to the point where someone ha- is shot in the feet and they still don't feel it's both her feet like, or it's just one foot both her feet. Really? Her feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I read. I couldn't, I don't know. If I'm wrong, y'all let me know. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, in the feet, but even in the foot. No, no, she, no, I'm not the fact that she feels I'm, like yeah, she is, but no, I know. But you're like, wait, it was both I of them? I think it was one. both of them. I thought it was one, but I didn't No, I think it was it both was. of them. And she told the police she cut them on glass. So. I don't know what's being held over her head or, or why why she put that statement out, but she's not wrong. Black women are not protected. And we're not, we're, we're not, we're, and people don't show up for us. And it's frightening. So I just pray for all of her peace. And um, I'm glad she was not hurt further. And, you know, I hope that she has a, a, a strong recovery. But I also hope that there is some sort of change surrounding how people show up for black women in general. That's scary. Because people don't show up for us. They really don't. I agree with what you said. I think, you know, to add to that though, and this is in no way, am I, am I negating or, uh, you know, nullifying what you said? Cause I agree. I, I feel like in Mm -hmm. addition to, this need for black black uh you know for for black women to be protected i feel like there's been a breakdown mm-hmm. in how we care for each other i think that that in in looking at the comments and the way that we, we respond like i don't think it it, it makes me mm-hmm. very sad to see how black men and black women speak to each other i don't think we honor each other at all and i feel like we there at some point there's been some sort of breakdown in the ways that we communicate and advocate and love and protect each other um so Mm -hmm. in the ways that we i think in the same ways that i i am saddened by how black women are not protected i'm also saddened by the ways that black men are not affirmed and that and in some way or you know affirmed held accountable i mean there's just a whole I think that there's just been a breakdown. Oh, there's it's it's nuances for days. Yeah, there's just a <laughs> breakdown in the way in which we we it feels like we no longer have each other's back, and that is what makes me very 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 worried and afraid. Like I I mm-hmm. I it used to be a time where you know you would feel a sense of safety, a sense of like you know. I mean, I'm thinking about times when I used to ride the train and you'd ride the metro, you know, 
if you make the right kind of eye contact with a, with a black person, a black woman or a black man, if I'm suggesting that, hey, I don't know this person, I don't feel safe. I have been in places where men have stepped in for me. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, somebody, this one dude, you know, being too aggressive, another guy would come up and say, leave her alone or something. But I feel mm-hmm. like over, a t- over time, there's been a breakdown of that. We've just gotten away from that. Um, we don't look out for each other like we need to. And I, that, I hate that. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I do too. I really hope to change that narrative short, as time goes on. There's the, I've, been, I've been hearing lots of things that, you know, he has just been acting like a very, this is classic short man behavior. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, very, very tiny Napoleon yes, syndrome. But if th- that that action itself is the is the most Napoleon of them Absolutely. all. Absolutely. So, a tiny, tiny man. <laughs> um, and lastly, lastly, we want to make sure we pay our respects um, to John Lewis, Absolutely. who passed from pancreatic cancer. Yes, indeed. A giant, um, a civil rights leader. You know a just a, a political leader for real just a giant on the same a giant day as for a, black people uh reverend uh, ct vivian um was also um yes uh yes pioneer in um uh, the civil rights mm-hmm. movement very close to martin luther king was worked very closely with the selc back in the day um and and worked alongside john lewis over these years both of them have uh received yep. pro- uh, medals of honor from president obama um so they, they both transitioned on the same day. Um, so it was just, you know, we both, we lost two Titans uh, in the fight. And, two Titans, um, two giants. You know, we would be remiss in not acknowledging them and their great contributions uh, to, to our ongoing work Absolutely. for social justice. Absolutely. So we just wanted to pay our respects. I wanted to close out the trash with that. And let us move on to our shout out. Okie doke. This is popping right now. So I'm actually doing a repeat shout out and I'm doing it because I want to make sure that every single person, Kia and I want to make sure that every single person who qualifies for this really just does what they need to do because it's so simple as we spoke about before. The Mattapan Tech Scholarship. Um, in honor of Zoila Wedborn, we is a thousand dollar scholarship for any black or Latina woman in Massachusetts who is studying in the healthcare field. The cutoff date, the deadline is August first, and so you know, in the vein of us getting grown over here, we don't ever want to turn down free money Correct. that's going to help us to move forward in our lives. So we wanted to make sure we shouted that out one more time before the deadline is up for anybody who may not have heard. That is the Mattapan Tech Scholarship in honor of Zoila Wedborn. That is a $1,000 scholarship. I've looked at the application myself. It's so simple. You literally have to explain why you need this money and the money does not have to be for tuition or for books. It could be $1,000 to help you get to your class because your car broke down. It could be a thousand dollars just to help you in some way while you are working in this in this field and in this career and while you are going to school and getting yourself together. So all of the information will be in the description box for that. Make sure if you qualify to please, 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 please apply. It is the simplest application and it is 
it is it the worst that can happen is you're not chosen the best thing that can happen is that you are so we wanted to make that a repeat shout out um for anybody who may have missed it the first time again the deadline's august 1st so check out that link in the description box absolutely and if i may can i just add um, please uh, I also wanted to, I saw this just before we started recording. I want to shout out our auntie Maxine. Um, yes. Maxine Waters, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Um, I saw on social media, she was, uh, there was video footage of her. Um, she was driving past a policeman and pulled over a black man. And she pulled over herself, got out of the car and wanted to make sure that everything was copacetic. Um, and even I think was told mm. by the policeman that, uh, you know, she was going to get a ticket. She was like, and that's fine. But I had to just make sure that, um, you know, she was like, <laughs> I was told that I was in the role play place and I'm going to get a ticket, but that's okay. I just mean to make sure there ain't nobody going to die on, on my watch. And I just, that's I mean, really, I it. just feel like that's, that's her modeling, you know, the behaviors and. Um, I mean, I just love that. Like I was saying just before, um, you know, the, the, the end of our last segment, I just wish we can get back to that kind of looking out for each other. Um, I had a mm-hmm. similar situation as some kids um, on my block. Um, and, then, you know, my neighborhood is, quote unquote, patrolled. Uh, you know, there is like security, patrolled. but then there's also kind of these like neighborhood watch kind of people. And mm-hmm. and there was a car kind of rolling up on some kids and asking them questions. And I, you know, leaned right over my stoop and was like, they live here. You don't got to ask them. Hello. <laughs> Can I help you? <laughs> Why are you bothering That's them kids? They live there. That's what we this need. This is their house. They playing in their yard. Like, leave them alone. Like, is there like, you don't, why you got to question these kids? This is where they live. You, they don't have to tell you that, though. Everybody, like, what are you doing? Did they go on about their business? I think so, because it was another uh, another black, uh, young black woman that lives across from me. Both of us was kind of leaning over our decks like, what was said? Do we have to come downstairs? <laughs> Leave these babies alone. They are bothering nobody. But I That's just, what we need in our neighborhoods again. Yeah. I was happy to be the little old They're lady. looking out. Like, I, 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 what y'all doing? Like, <laughs> that was... That was that was me. I was happy to do that. Standing in and the I'm gap. I'm sure the for kids the were happy to have you. Yeah, you see, this is why you. But see this. You see why you were supposed to have that house. Like, I, 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 what, uh, you see. What are these children? You see. Leave them alone. Purpose. <laughs> Living in purpose. Has to be our eyes and ears. I just want us to get back to that, and hopefully, no one takes advantage of it, right? Because now. You know, every you got to worry about that. But I just want to believe because I would want somebody to do that oh. for me. Okay. Absolutely. That's why I moved into And my children. Absolutely. That's it. Well, let us move along to our kitchen table talk. Ben and Jerry's three new non-dairy frozen desserts are a new twist on vegan euphoria. So many non-dairy flavors, so little time. Ben and Jerry's has three new non-dairy frozen desserts made with sunflower butter. The Ben and Jerry's flavor gurus have taken a big leap this time. Their new non-dairy flavors are the perfect sweet treats for vegans, vegetarians, and Kia and I. That is everyone in between. So, you know, plant-based ice cream was not your girl's go-to. It was not my favorite thing in the world. But I do like a good sunflower oil and a sunflower butter as well. So I said, why not take a chance? And I did. And 
it tastes like ice cream. It's creamy. It's delicious. The creme brulee is my absolute favorite. I put it with some pie. I put it by itself. I added some uh, vanilla wafers and some bananas in there as well. And I didn't even have any clue that I wasn't eating dairy-based ice cream. So I absolutely love it. Plus, you guys, I didn't have no gas, which was really, really great. Check out the Ben & Jerry Sunflower Butter lineup and the whole non-dairy family at BenJerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com. Welcome back to the kitchen table. We have a very special guest in the house tonight, and I'm I'm very excited for the conversation. Blue, hey guys, Blue is an amazing name. Thank you. I'm literally sitting at my kitchen table, so I feel completely on brand right now. Oh, wonderful! This is just how we are. It's organic. Happening. I hope you guys can see me clearly. You are giving us all kinds of uh, light vibes and sun vibes and LA vibes. Very much nighttime here, so we welcome. Oh yeah, yeah, it's very early here. Oh, it's very. And it's it's about to thunderstorm here in DC. So, well, that's kind of sexy. I just moved from DC, actually. Really? I lived in DC for twelve years up until last year. I have been here eight years now. Well, that's a cute point. Yes, yes, I was still. It was still working for me at eight. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Eight years you've been there now, sis? Yeah, I moved here in 2012. I remember when we were eating Popeye's chicken and Kia was announcing to everybody that she was going to be moving to D.C. for yes, her indeed. doctoral program. I think we program. were at Bobby's house. We were at Bobby's yeah. house. Oh That's my it. gosh, I can't believe it's been eight years. Okay, that has nothing to do with this kitchen table. <laughs> so, <laughs> all your friendships, though, are so long lasting. It's a testimony to the kind of friend you must be. I back love in my friends. You know, when I met Kia, I'm like, wow, y'all go back. <laughs> you yeah, also have long lasting friendships. That's actually how I met Blue through a but very, old. very, I think very it's old. dear I think friend. We're older now, so it's more, mm. more, we're more grown. likely to have. I'm grown. I'm, not, I'm never old. Oh, old I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to project my own <laughs> di- challenges on you. You're absolutely right. You are not old. Takia is old. That's right. <laughs> But yes, <laughs> I fully respect that you are grown. You are very grown. And I and yes, I agree. Please continue. I love your energy. Oh my God. I love like, <laughs> This oh is gonna gosh. be the best kitchen table. So Blue, tell the world who tell the world a little bit about Blue. What does Blue do? Who is Blue? Is that your real name? Of course it is. No, actually, I was named Blue at like 18 and I didn't like it. And then I had to like relax into it because people had renamed me. But my government name is Maggie Manuela. So, yeah, I am. Oh, cool. I'm Haitian and Cuban and my mother wanted to make sure that everybody knew I wasn't from here with my name. Um, she was <laughs> um, Maggie is French for Mary, which, you know, Mary, mother of God. And Manuela is the Spanish version of the Hebrew name Emmanuel, which means Jesus. Mother literally named me Mary Jesus Tulusma. Um, <laughs> that tells you all you need to know about my family and her expectations of me as a human. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing heavy. Not, nothing heavy. I went to Catholic school, and every every single Easter they were singing my name. It was very confusing. Uh, but yeah, I'm a writer. I'm, I'm like the Forrest Gump of writers. I have never applied for a writing job in my life, and I am like 15 years into my writing career. So that's always interesting. I'm a senior writer at the Griot. 
I write a column where I give my opinions on pop culture and politics, and I have lots of opinions. Jade is beautiful. They're amazing opinions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have spicy but reasonable opinions. I agree. People are always surprised that I'm reasonable, by the way, guys. Can we stop acting like passionate women can't also be reasonable? Because that's Mm. a thing. Duality is a thing. It really, really is. And most of us have it. So I'm surprised people are acting like it doesn't exist. I think we have to have it. If we don't have it, then we are imbalanced and less useful. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it. Less useful. I'm going to start useful. using that. I'm going to start using that. I agree. Yeah, but I, I love all things digital media now. It took me a mm-hmm. while to understand Twitter. I had a Twitter account for many years and didn't use it. And then I realized that Black Twitter was about to take over the world. And I was like, I'm, I must get on this before I get left behind. <laughs> it has. I it has realize, taken over the world. Yeah, people like Jade and her tribe were winning at the Twitters. <sighs> I don't even tweet, I don't I don't even hardly tweet, tweet like that anymore. Like, like a tribe. tribe. But your I'm tribe is, is, is Twitter famous. Let's, let's, let's not uh, be mocked. tribe. A tribe. A whole tribe. Like, you this are, should be a name for you. You are in this tribe. Ma'am, I like, don't know what you're talking about. It is a conglomerate of niggas. It's a conglomerate of all of us, us and our niggas. I am the nerd that happens to sit at the table full of cool kids. I don't know what it is about me that allows you all to just tolerate my presence. But I'm grateful, really, I don't that know you allow cool me to sit with you is. all. I Here really she do. go, y'all. Here she go. Key is one of the wittiest... Nigliest niggas known. Nigliest, niggeriest <laughs> niggas. Like, I heard many a word. I've never heard nigliest before. I'm niggly. gonna look that one up. That's beautiful. It I can is, I can remix something. nigga to many things. Nigliest. Fully embodied. Kind of like a exfoliant or like face cream. Do you? Oh yeah, lord. I, <laughs> I have questions about the skin. Hit the people. <sighs> Girl, I have to be honest. I cannot take any credit for this skin. No, no, no. My mom. And like I happen to come from a long line of African American women who just have really good skin, and it is of no goodness of my own. I just am very grateful um, that I ha- I'm just in the lineage. Uh, I, but I do try to take care of my skin as best as I can. Right now, I've been using the um, Urban Skin RX line, um, but when I've not when I've not been able to get my hands on that, I use the Neutrogena Hyaluronic Acids their whole collection they're the moisturizer the serum oh you're one of those 10 step nighttime routines no 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 that's what i'm saying like i mean i don't i i literally wash you know i I, i'm more much more involved when i wear like makeup but i haven't worn that in like six months so it's really just kind of like wake up in the morning wash your face and then that's just kind of it i haven't had a facial or anything like that in like six months so that's genetics, is what you're saying. That's it. okay. Yeah. Good job. Me, thank God. And I. And Meanwhile, this, my this. night moisturizer is seventy five dollars. But whoa, seventy five dollars. What kind of bougie? Wow. I don't know. She's white woman skincare. Drunk, drunk, drunk elephant. elephant. <laughs> Nigga, while while blue is over there being grown, I'm over here being old and trying to figure out also how to moisturize my skin. I'm trying to sure. figure out how to how to manage and integrate some anti aging. Uh, preventative things into my regimen, but like you mean, like, here's the thing I'm worried about is that like I'm worried about what happens to people's eyes and laugh lines because I laugh a lot, so I'm waiting All for that time. time. Yeah, I don't All think the I'm, time. Gonna, I'm gonna be able to outrun that. I think that's I got just some vitamin C eye serum from Peter Thomas Roth. 
Let's I see heard how vitamin that works. C is the, whole, is the holy grail. And so yes. Mm -hmm. All my products have vitamin C in it. That's, Look that's at you finally coming through with the goods. I knew there was a something. It was vitamin C. I don't write that down. <laughs> and vitamin C. You were like, yeah, girl, it's just, you know, tears and like the sunlight. No, it's it just, I mean, I'm just saying I'm not one of those people like Jay who spends thousands of dollars. Like I thousands. buy my hair, my skincare at Target. Nigga, I was I was using simple until <laughs> I was using the simple line and Trader Joe's face wash until last year. I'm just saying. We yeah. are all off the topic, though. We are. Sorry, guys. We got we got focus on skincare. It's really important during the pandemic to have glowy skin on all these Zoom calls. And as you get grown, it is very important that you take care of your skin. But Offense. in addition to our skin, I think today we are going to talk about our black bodies. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. So we have um, there's an article that I read by uh, a writer named Stephanie Yaboa um, out of London. And the article was entitled fat is not a bad word. Um, and it spoke about uh, the positive usage of fat in the past, back in the back back days where it talked about the land and the animals and all of these beautiful things that fat was because it was abundant um, and how society has transitioned that into a nasty word. Now, this is not just to sit here and talk about the word fat, but I thought it would be a nice intro to our conversation. We also have an Instagram post that all of us have read by a therapist by the name of Shirley Johnson, um, a good, good friend of our sister, Franiqua, where she spoke about softness. And if I may, actually, Kia, will you read the caption for us? Um, I'd be delighted. Thank okay, you, so you want me to read the whole thing? <laughs> I'm a good reader. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yes. You are a doctor all after all. Yes. All right. Let's do it. The softest thing on the universe overcomes the hardest thing in the universe. And that's a quote by Lao Tzu. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, let's talk about softness. Uh, the writer says, I've pretty much always been what one of my yoga teachers said, low tone, my whole life. Not sure if it, it's really a biological fact or more of some kind of a psychosomatic response, but it's what I've created. For years, I attempted all types of diets, fasts, workout regimens um, to be less physically soft. I attempted to hide away the softness under layers of clothes. And finally, it's becoming clear to me how many people are socialized to think softness, whether physical or psychic, is a bad thing. That to be soft physically means one is weak or to be soft emotionally means one is unstable. Softness from a metaphysical standpoint is, very power, is a very powerful element. Softness is an uh, attractant. Softness in nature can mean ripe, juicy, and sweet. Softness in skin often attracts lots of touch. Yet specifically, there seems to have been a weird phenomenon that softness, particularly in a woman's body, means weakness or lack of care. I'm reclaiming the softness decolonizing the body as a place of hardness, returning to her softness, the wisdom in the softness. Much respect to all body types. The human collective is full of variety. My soft body doesn't mean I don't care about my body. I hike, I practice yoga, I dance, I eat generally organic plant-based foods. I take baths, I rub myself with oils, and today I let go of doing anything to mask the softness. I reclaim the softness and remember its power, Sat Nam. I mean, I thought it was beautiful. 
Mm-hmm. Would you th- would you say blue? It was beautifully written. It was very beautifully written. It was like it, what do you the, think what do you it? think about it? Um, here's the thing, and and I tend to be. There's a show called Adam Ruins Everything, where there's this guy named Adam, and he's really smart. And you'll say something, and everybody's happy, and then he'll keep talking. You're like, oh, we might have taken a turn. I somebody called me Adam the other day, and I was like, I might be. So here's here's my my thing, right? I feel like extremes are cousins. Extremes are mirrors. So those who champion being hard and those who champion being soft, to me, they're the same person. Um, I like to be somewhere in the middle, which is why I call supple, right? I think people who want to reclaim softness are also missing out on what they can learn from the hard. Like there's something about people who, are, who have a, a steeliness in their spine that they could actually learn something from. The same way people who are hard, quote, unquote, could learn something from people who are soft. So I don't ever want to claim one as being the exalted. I like to, to have a situation where they're both seen as equally valid options and that we find how to do a dance where we do a little bit of both, where someone like her could challenge herself to not always be in low tone and to sometimes buck up. And someone like me, or I would say Jay, because I feel like me and Jay are kindred, because sometimes <laughs> we hey, let's learn from our soft sis and chill. You know what I mean? But I don't ever feel good where we're saying, I'm, I'm going to sit here. Because to me, complacency is death, even if it's soft. And so that's why I only halfway subscribe because I'm never going to subscribe to something where only one way is being exalted and everybody else is across the room is just another, if that makes sense. But I get no, what yeah, she's saying. I get what she's saying though, because as a, as a black woman with a soft body, I don't see myself as weak, but I have a sharp tongue. So even in my presentation, I have a very soft womanly body, but my mind, my wit, my tongue, the, like I'm, I'm sharp and I'm hard in other ways. And so I embody that kind of balance. And so people who are all soft, that's, that's nice for them. It's just, for me, I need a little bit more variety so that I'm, I'm never complacent. And that, that speech she gave is beautiful, but I think if she's as happy as she says, she's probably has moments where she's not as soft as she thinks she is. I think, so if I can put it in context for the listeners as well, um, I know it was speaking directly to, because the post was a, was a caption that went along with a body, a body picture, a bathing suit picture. And it was speaking to not always accepting um, one's imperfections and softness within the body, whether that be cellulite or uh, stretch marks or things that we deem as negative things. And then we've always been taught our negative things, but kind of coming to appreciate some of those things. And I fully agree with you on finding a balance in that softness, especially mentally and emotionally. And, and that's too, though, like, because even for me, I, I ran a 10K. I was the, mm-hmm. I was the biggest girl out there running the 10K, but I have strong hard thighs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I started off soft, <laughs> right. um, but you can, you can love a soft body and still strengthen it. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think I really, I think what you're saying has really resonated with me. I didn't hear, it's, it's interesting. I love uh, these kinds of discussions where we kind of engage around a thing um, because mm-hmm. we all get to kind of uh, talk from our, the ways in which, we find resonance, right? So um, I heard her not from a place of that she was, um, and this is just my interpretation. Like I could be wrong, but when I what I received from it was not that she was uh, 
choosing a side, so to speak, saying that she needed to be all soft, but more mm-hmm. just accepting the parts of her that are naturally soft and softest that she really can't do anything about. So when she talked about her yoga instructor saying that she has low tone. So like I actually had a conversation with my friend Keisha. Uh, I've been going back to work out and doing these like socially distanced classes. And um, because the classes are much smaller and they fill up quicker, uh, we've had the privilege and I mean, I hope I don't want to shade the men or anything, but um, <laughs> most of the time, most of the time, it's it's more common now that you'll be in a class of all women, which is just a little, it's a little less, I don't want to say I don't like working out with men, but I don't like working out with men because, <laughs> like, <"Say> it, <laughs> because um, especially, right. And, and for like, you know, when we do like Orange Theory, it's like heart rate heart rate based workouts and your heart you wear a monitor and your heart rate and your calorie burn is like projected on the screen and it just does something to my insides when I am running as fast as I can (laughs) and I feel half dead and I see that at the end of a 60 minute class I have burned 400 calories and a 65 year old man to in the class has burned 600 just because he's a man he has testosterone like not because he was working harder than me but just because his body is built that way so i i am very i'm much more distracted not by the men in their bodies but just kind of like the the parts of me that compare myself to others is very distracted and sometimes discouraged by by men but that's not the point the point that i was trying to make as i was talking to keisha as i was in this class um like maybe three or four days ago and I looked up and noticed that it was me and one other black woman and maybe like six other white women in the class. And, and, um, but I didn't feel like a minority and like, I mean, I didn't like, you know, it's not uncommon. It's all my life. I've been one of few black people in, in predominantly white spaces, but in that particular moment, we were all doing some body work and there were mirrors in the class. And I just noticed, I was just like, our bodies are built differently than theirs. And we have like, you know, like we, we, we were just James like, yep. just, just, and I don't, and I don't want to say this to kind of shade anybody or make anyone feel bad. But just in that moment, I just felt like, wow, me and this other girl, let's just say for the sake of sake. Make the stallion. You would make the stallion. Right. But I just felt like me and Meg, right. Me and Meg the stallion were so superi- like our bodies are superior to these other white women in here. Like we are in here eating these, like, like these squats, we are eating these squats. Like we look like athletes. We look like athletes next to these women. And I just felt strong in that moment. Right. And I felt curvy and I felt like, wow, look at my body in comparison to these women. And for like, and this hasn't happened to me often, but in that moment, I just felt like, wow, I am really appreciative of the way that my body is made. And I, and I'm not, and I'm probably the heaviest person in this room, but I, in that moment, I just felt like, wow, I'm so glad I'm black. (laughs) And I'm so glad that I have big thighs and a big booty and I could pick up this weight and it is not a problem for me. And this little lady to my left is about to die. I'm, I just was really grateful in that moment. So I think it was, and, and it was accepting, like you said, like, um, the fact that I have a larger body, it didn't make me any less fit. It didn't make me any less capable. And it was just one of those kind of like illuminating moments that I, that I haven't always had. I'm, I'm tall. I didn't know that it was okay to be, you know, 
big and statuesque until much later in my you life. Described, you know what you just described though in that moment? In that moment, you were being supple. True. It, like that moment where you feel womanly and yeah. you love being a woman, but you also yes. recognize there's a strength in that. And is it all soft? And mind and you, I, the way that the, the piece was written, because I want to say Sis beautifully wrote it. Like it was a very beautifully written caption, absolutely. right? I, my, I wasn't responding for her. I actually trust her that she understands nuance. Mm -hmm. My thing is, as an emotional intelligence coach, a lot of people who come to me copy and paste things like that as an excuse. True. Not mm -hmm. challenge themselves. So I'm not speaking to the writer. The writer usually is in on the joke. But mm -hmm. the audience will often, you ever talk to somebody and you can tell they read all the Ayama Benzam books backwards? Like yeah. they know they, they didn't really. Oh, they were like they picking and choosing. They were yeah, picking and choosing exactly. which parts of the book that they wanted to apply. It was like selective hearing when they were reading yes. it. Like the things were all skipping lines. All of that. Because people love to make excuses and skip over lines to make and justify not challenging themselves. Mm -hmm. When I see stuff like that, I can always smell like, oh, this is a pretty excuse for somebody who wants mm -hmm. to tell me why they don't, they don't want to buck up. Well, I'm I just really, soft. You can't read that yeah. caption. I'm yeah. real soft. And, you know, y'all got to accept it. I'm, I'm like, no, honey. Like, no. So I think I'm naturally predisposed not to read things how I trust the writer to write them, but to read them the way I think someone excuse would interpret mm -hmm. it and so for her i trust that she's okay but like what you described was supple right and it wasn't all yeah. soft and i think there are people who would have been like well i was in the class with the white women and they weren't doing much and they were soft and i was like girl you ain't gotta try so hard because you could be soft too don't do that <laughs> right. <laughs> like, let's not let's, right. let's not let's let's not do that and i think a lot of people are built to justify not evolving hmm. and so for me i'm always saying okay how am i full of shit this week I ask myself that question <laughs> once a week because the, the plot, the gag is if you haven't been full of shit in a while, you're probably extra full of shit. Like you're probably in denial about all the times you've made excuses for yourself mm -hmm. not to challenge yourself. Look at, look at you thinking. She's like, how have I been full of shit? Well, no, cause I think, I think, and I don't want to challenge you. No, please do. I love being challenged. I guess, I guess, I and Jade, Jade will probably co-sign me here, mm -hmm. but I don't, um, I'm the, I'm, the kind of person who is not, and I don't know, I have to, I'm going to process this as I'm speaking. So just go with me. Um, I don't, when, when I'm, when I'm listening to you, I, I'm hearing and thinking about the things that I hear from my therapist and my friends is that I'm super hard on myself and I'm not one who makes excuses more than I beat myself up for things. So when you say things like, you know, how am I full of shit today? Um, how is not being how is being yourself up not full of shit though? That can be it doesn't always mean right, right. because hyper being a perfectionist to me is not um, the same thing as being accountable. So for like sometimes when you're being hard on yourself, it's because you're lacking balance. To me, the answer isn't like oh I'm not full of shit if I'm hard on myself. The answer is I'm full of shit if I'm not in balance. If I'm not aligned, if I'm not being compassionate while still being accountable then to me, in that moment, it's full of shit. If you're being way too hard on yourself and you're saying things to yourself that you would never say to Jade or that you would never say to someone, that, someone else that you love, that being hard on yourself to me is you being full of shit in that moment because you're being abusive to yourself and being unkind to yourself in a way that your spirit naturally knows not to do with others. And so to me, that would be full of it personally. Like I, okay. I, I'm a perfectionist. I'm going to tell you right now. I got Virgo on my chart. I heard that Jade is a Virgo, so she understands <laughs> what this means it's an affliction your virgo, virgo be jumping out she's like well actually <laughs> yeah the virgo drives me crazy i hear my virgo talk sometimes and i'm telling myself to shut up as i am talking 
And what I have to start telling myself is perfectionism is a glorified way to enable yourself to be unkind to yourself and others and to rob you of the, the beauty of being a flawed human. So sometimes yeah, we it's all be, about ego. It's, it's all about, about ego. ego. And so I've For had sure. to be like, mm-hmm. when I'm full of shit, when I ask that question, Blue, are you full of shit? It's usually something that America has taught you to clap for. But I've learned to identify, I'm actually full of shit right now. I should right. want to go to sleep. Like when Didi was like, you know, you can sleep when you're dead. If you don't sleep, you can get there quicker. <laughs> so yeah, being full of shit is not always about, oh, do you hold yourself accountable? Sometimes being full of shit is being hypercritical and Fair. being hyper aware and being just not living in the moment and always thinking about how to make things better rather than savoring the moment. Child, I'm trying, that Jay that you're smoking, Jay, like that is, <laughs> right now you are being supple. <laughs> Look at everybody being supple. <laughs> every like, day. <laughs> and the thing I want to say about you two is I love your energy because it seems like you're opposites, but there's a beautiful balance that I'm seeing in the way that you guys engage. Like you guys hold space for each other in a really generous way. I like this. Yes, we give each other permission to get on each other's nerves. We allow mm-hmm. each other to really be <laughs> ourselves, right? So it's not about me trying to make Jade any less Jade. And she allows me to be all of the awful ways that I am here. And that's why we are. It's just, it's just amazing that we just, like you said, we allow space for one another. We do. Having relationships that are healthy. I heard something about the word uh, uh, fat though. Yes. Okay. We have gone on a tangent. Bring we us sure back, have. Jay. No, we probably saved somebody who needed to hear something. <laughs> while we were on the tangent. So let's all receive that it was probably meant to be. So, okay, yes. So we were talking about the article with the word fat and how fat Mm -hmm. has been associated with negativity and how the writer in that spoke about how she wants to bring that back full circle. She's like, it's the same way as describing somebody as skinny or short or what have you. She's like, it's not a bad word. That's what it was. Fat is not a bad word. She, She characterizes herself as such and she says when people use it as an insult, she's now turned it where she's like, that's not an insult to me. Like... This is what I am. But True. I wanted to use that. So what I wanted to ask you all first, and Kia kind of already started touching on it with the story about being in the in the gym. But how would you, as black women, you know, because I know we all also have very different experiences growing up, how things have shaped us and so forth and so on. How would you characterize the range of experiences living in your body as a black woman? And like what stories and things come to mind as you Ooh. think of those experiences. Oh, These are light questions, huh, Jay? Just, just uh, light <laughs> You know, just a little Man. bit. You know, shallow into the pool. Everybody's gonna cheat. We're cheating on our therapist right now. That's fine. Um, I know, because we about to get, we about to get waist deep in my business, but I'll let you go first, sis, please. Oh, my mother's not going She's like, you can go first. Uh, oh, no, I mean, if you, if you, if you need some time, I, we no, can no, jump right into my trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm healed. I'm just, you know, this is, this is y'all went for it. I love it. Um, I, I'm going to try to be concise. I, at seven years old, uh, my body came in, recognized that I had a uh, 36 C cup breast. Um, at seven? Yeah. They sent me home from school because the boys were watching me hit the bumps on the bus. Like every time the bus Whoa. would go up and down, the boys would watch me instead of like watching straight ahead. Look at you adjusting your own bra. I'm yeah. right. Like, like, like that's at seven, you have, have you have, you have more titties than I have, have right, right now. now. 
Yeah, and I had like, you know, my, my hips are like nine, like my waist is nine inches smaller than my hips. So I look like, like a little, like, like a pedophile's dream, basically. Mm-hmm. And oh. I was a smart kid and I recognized that a couple of my friends had been molested. And I saw how the people they told me how molested them were looking at me. Like I knew I got next. Like I was very clear that my body was confusing the men who were of questionable integrity in my neighborhood. Mm. And so I intentionally went home and took some box mac and cheese and some mashed potatoes and force fed myself because I recognized they were not looking at the fat girls that way. I made myself fat on purpose as protection from predators in my neighborhood. Wow. Um, And people hear that story, they're like, that's deep. I'm like, look, to me it was survival. I wasn't even having an emotional reaction. I was like, look, they're not messing with her and she big. I'm gonna do that so y'all can leave me alone. Um, it worked and I, I forced fed myself until I got fat. Um, and it also created an eating disorder because that's not really healthy. And then when I was 13, all of a sudden, now everybody wants to be like my boys and everybody wants to go back to the body. I just worked so hard to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So my eating disorder went to the other extreme where I started working out three to four hours a day after school and ran an anorexic group where I was the Regina George. Like I remember one time when my homegirls was eating a cheese it and I slapped it out of her hand and said, we don't do that. Um, so I became that girl, like the main girl mm-hmm. who was basically starving herself because she thought she had to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I hit 19. And for me, the turning point was I, I got a plus size modeling contract and I cried the entire, it was on my birthday. I cried the entire day because the idea that my whole livelihood was going to be based on my appearance. I knew that I was going to be in hell. Like my body was going to be like my captor for the rest of my life. It was the worst day of my life. I cried. I next day I said, please rip up the contract. I do not want to do this. I don't want to be seen. And then I kind of slept on it. When I woke up, I was like, my mm-hmm. premise is that if you are fat, you are unlovable. And I've been working really, really hard my whole high school career to like lose weight. What if I test this theory? What if I eat and let myself get fat and just live my life and see if I'm still lovable? And for 10 years, I refused to diet. I just let my body do what it was going to do. Um, I've never had better sex. I've never made better friends. I've never messed up more. So yeah, that, that, to me, that was my, my journey of like, you can be beautiful by society standards and hate yourself. And so I've never thought that thinness equals happiness. Because for me, being thin was always the times where I was the most insecure. That's my answer. What about you, Kia? Ooh, blue. Blue. I'm I sorry. Knew, um, I knew, was I no, I knew bringing you one yeah. was going to be a good conversation. Please. By all means. Um. Okay, um, I was raised by uh, people who were very thin um, and very like naturally athletic. Um, and I've always, I, I, I feel like if you look at me, like I am literally like, um, like, the perfect composite of my parents in in terms of like how I'm built. So like um, from the waist up, I'm shaped like my mama and from the waist down, I'm shaped like my dad and my dad's size of the family. And so my mom, um, you know, they're really tall and kind of curvy, but slimmer. Mexican dad, Coke bottles, blue Mexican Coke <laughs> bottles. My dad's side of the family are really strong, very thick, um, people. And so I kind of got like a, a mix of both of those, but I was not raised by my dad's side of the family. I was raised by the people who were very thin and shapely. And so I was told very, like from an early age, I, mean, I was very clear that I wasn't like 
my mom and my grandma, my grandma, my mom is one of four uh, girls. So like my aunts, everyone was smaller than me. And all my nicknames, like my grandma used to call me Ham, <laughs> Hams, because I was, you know, like, you know, all my nicknames were very, you know, around the fact that I was thicker than, um, and and I was never, I, and so and so um, that kind of uh, language was, was um, I was othered in that way very early on throughout my childhood. I was put on my very first diet in the fifth grade, um, mm. and my... Um, grand, my grandma used to make me like she would cook and she would make me like um, healthier options so it was dope that she would you know take the time and saw the value in doing that so this is not a shade to her but it was just very clear that I wasn't like everybody else and I couldn't do what other people do um, you know I had to like it's fifth and sixth grade after I finished my homework I had to go down to the den and do a workout tape before I went to bed and like these are the these are the kinds of things that I kind of grew up. This is how I was socialized. So I was very much um, aware of the fact that my body did not look the way it was supposed to, and that has always been kind of like the way that I have viewed myself and how I exist in the world. Um, and especially since like you know I was raised in a very Christian, conservative. Southern Baptist home, even though it was in New York, it was a very Southern Baptist home. And there's also connotations uh, that come with being a curvy, thick booted girl that, you know, it, it means that you are doing things and that you are open to doing things. And so um, and so that was also a part of this this language that was being thrown at me and I was conscious of my curves and not in a way that was celebratory it was a, it was in a way that they needed to be concealed they needed to be changed and I've had you know like blue I've gone like all my life I've had some sort of weight loss something um it's, it's always been about being smaller being smaller and my grandma would say things like you may never be skinny but don't be don't be no bigger than you absolutely have to be and um, it was hard for me to find, you know, they couldn't find me. I, I grew out of like little girls clothes kind of quickly because I had a booty. So, um, you know, but my mom didn't want to dress me like a grown up. So she couldn't find me little girls clothes that fit. So it was this always this kind of content, this, this very strong contention. And it just resulted in me not enjoying my body or coming to appreciate it. Um, like I would say for years, it wasn't until I remember I was in college maybe my second my second and and I think college was also a culture shock I know I'm rambling I'm gonna wrap it up um because I I hung out with a with very petite people and it wasn't a choice it was just it was happenstance but I hung out with very petite people and I didn't know I was as big as I was until until my freshman year in college I remember having I called my mom in my dorm room and I was like mom did you know that we were big we are huge I did not know that we were so big <laughs> and she was like what do you mean I'm like these girls are like five feet that's it what like, like oh, what wait you? wait five feet what is this Willie Wonka what is happening I don't know wait, but they're like five you, blue I'm five nine right Jane, Jane, how tall are you? Five. five tell the truth, Jay. <laughs> tell the truth, cause Jay likes to cheat. Five eight. Girl, tell the truth. I'm five five. I'm five. Oh wow, five. you were way off, girl. You weren't even close. Okay, girl, <laughs> you? I'm five ten. You're and five ten. Yes, ma'am. And oh, it's different at five ten than five nine. That's tall. <laughs> 
No, it's not different. That's why I'm trying to figure out why this reaction. This reaction is completely ridiculous because we're literally one inch apart. But the um the point is, you know, I come from very tall people. My mom's five eleven. My brother was six five and a half. We were big. I'm this I'm five ten and I'm the shortest of all my first cousins. Like that means all all of my grandparents, grandchildren are are five ten and up. So I went to college and was hanging out with girls who were five three and had never worn a jeans above a size three or a two. And then one of my one of my roommates in college wore a size zero jeans. And I was like, Mom, we are why didn't you tell me that I was a circus clown? You seem like, what is going on? Because I was like, by comparison, so much bigger than the people that I hung out with. And and um, maybe like my 10th, my, my second or third year, there was another tall girl. I'll never forget her name was Shantae Avery Brown. <laughs> she could, she would always, that's how she would introduce herself. I am Shantae yes. Avery Brown. <laughs> and she was, she was a tall like me. And she said, she was like, you know, I noticed, she was like, you know, you love your friends. Those are your friends. She was like, but you, like, every time y'all take pictures and when you hang out with them, you shrink. She was like, you know, you're supposed to be this tall. You're supposed to own your body. Like, you look like a grown-up. Celebrate it. Like, people enjoy that. Like, so she was one of the first people who started to talk talk to me. Like, you know, uh-uh, stop slouching down. Like, I always used to volunteer to be the, the person who would, like, crouch down in the front of the picture because I didn't want to be you know mm-hmm. gargantuan so um or I, w- I, w- I was the one who would volunteer to be seated so that I wasn't always sticking out but she would she and others other people my friend Toya other people would be like girl okay like yes you you're they wear a size zero and you wear a size 10 that doesn't make you like fat and I'm like but it does like that's 10 whole sizes <laughs> and but it, it really took like this yeah, deep programming 10 whole inches too <laughs> right but this <laughs> but this this deprogramming this deprogramming was like a thing that didn't happen until I was grown like I was 20 something before okay. people had started to tell me that I was like you know it's not terrible that you are built the way that you're built wow Kia is a real life Megan the Stallion I'm not you really are like a like an instrument I'm not Megan the Stallion is smaller than me and 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 I don't want any of the Meg fans to to I'll to send you her, her, her listen. Instagram. I don't want any of the Meg the Stallion people to come and hate me. This is not me hating on Meg the Stallion. Meg the Stallion is tall and she is thick, but Meg the Stallion doesn't have hips. Oh, in shape? No, she has a big butt, but she's not. She's not like she's not shaped. You know what I'm saying? Like she's, you know what I'm saying? So like she can and she so so she is thicker, but she still has some of those kind of you know, skinny girl qualities about her um, that make her, you know, she's, she, she's thick, but she's still like Hollywood. So like, there are some differences, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, yeah. 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 No. Between size and shape, because I think a lot of times when things bother us, they're not always about size. They're sometimes about shape. Right? Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, girls with big boobs or big butts or wide hips, regardless of their size, it becomes a conversation because there's something sexually. Yeah. People have a reaction. That's me. To it. Mm-hmm. That's, so, so I, I growing, growing up, up was not, not the, the tallest, tallest person. person. <laughs> oh my God. I wasn't, wasn't the shortest. Sure she's still shorter than me. I wasn't the tallest person, but I wasn't the, I wasn't the shortest person, but I was curvy. I had thighs 
and I had ass. I didn't have a whole lot of upper body, but I had thighs and I had ass and I just have always had that in some form or fashion. So I think at like 11 or 12, my family was gonna go on a cruise and my mom was like, you might wanna ride the stationary bike for 30 minutes a day after school because we're going to you know, be out on the beach and in the bathing suits and so forth and so on. And I did that. And it was like, I, it, it started to create a complex. And I know that wasn't her intention. Because right. she's never been a, she's, she's not, I've seen worse. But I've also seen it uh, a lot with black women. And not everybody, because everybody's experiences are different. But I have seen a lot where there's been a lot of pressure on us from within the family arrangement or from the closest people to you who start to develop those complexes. So then that went on and 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 I was never I never ended up being past the size, I don't know, 14 maybe, but that was as a grown woman. Like I look back at pictures when I thought I had weight issues at 18 and I was like, I don't even you're like I an do eight. That too now. Like, what is what's what going on? But that doesn't what? I'm but trying to get I back had, to the weight I was when I first started dieting. Listen, exactly. like, but I had issues with my cellulite and I had issues with just natural things. I may have had a smaller waist, but there were still things about my body that bothered me. And they were things that I have now since come to realize I can't control. And we'll get mm-hmm. to that in a minute. But that's where the complexes started. And then I didn't really have a lot of issues with men. But then I had that the, the one nigga who was the Jim Jim nigga, who as I started to develop into a woman, and then that weight would really fluctuate as my body's trying to figure out what it wants to do, would put that additional pressure on, and that created probably the biggest complex that I'd had. And so that's where some of those those issues started. And, um, you know, cellulite and stretch marks and things like that have always been frowned upon in society, period, but with us, as you know, we're all, all them dimples in your legs, all this, this, and that. That's, you, there's sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. You have a, the smallest person who has a cellulite issue. You know what or I'm saying? Or stretch marks. Or stretch marks. Had literally would not wear any short-sleeved um, tops until I was 30. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't about size. It was like, man, I got these zebra stripes on my arms. Now I'm like, I don't give a crap. Y'all gonna get this. Y'all gonna <laughs> Listen. get this. <laughs> Well, well, so, okay, that brings me to my next question. Where, where are you, are you in, in your journey, journey now of acceptance of your, of your body, body and your body, body as, as a black, black woman? And are, you, are, you, are, there are there ways that you can give yourself more space, space for even more acceptance and greater, and greater celebration, celebration of your body? My goodness, Shay. These are TED Talks. <laughs> she said i need you to go inside yourself with a, with a machete and slay a dragon and show me the head when you come back out um harriet call herself fat okay okay um i started you know, getting I, into I, it earlier which is why i was like wait hold on now well the irony of this is to like jump to the end and before quickly going back to the beginning is today was supposed to be day one of my fitness challenge with two of my friends. So the irony of me having this conversation with you on day one, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to use this video from my before. Like, this is crazy. Um, All right. So here's the thing. I wish that I had the self-esteem I had now when I had the body I had back then. Shit would have been perfect. You know what I mean? Like 
I have never loved myself more mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And so the fact of the matter is I cannot be shamed about my body anymore. And I love that. Um, but I mentioned to Jay, we talked earlier about how when my aunt passed away, um, I gained 60 pounds of grief weight. So it wasn't the weight or my body. It's the kind of weight that I gained. Grief weight, it just kind of hits different because it comes from sadness and not being able to mourn and pushing through and all that other stuff. And so I, I just wished I had learned to love myself as much as I do now before my body had entered this, this rut from a moment of grieving, if that makes sense. Um, but I will say this though, that me at this size, as I'm trying to lose grief weight, I've still never loved myself more. And I'm realizing how much of it has to do with your environment. There's an old meme that says, sometimes when you think you're crazy, you're just surrounded by assholes. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that meme. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, a lot of things that I thought were wrong with me back then were based on people projecting stuff on me. Um, and now that those people are gone, I'm realizing that like they were gaslighting the crap out of me and I was dope. You know what I mean? And so I'm at the point now where I'm just like, anybody in my life, it has to be someone who accepts me, accepts me as I am and isn't waiting for the next version because I had a friend who's no longer a friend who's an artist and he would draw everybody in his life. Um, and the one time he drew me, he didn't put my name down. And so I was like, Why? we hang out every day. Why don't you draw me? He's like, oh, I'm waiting for your fitness journey to be over. Then I'll draw you. Wow. And, I said, and I said to him, I said, but I'm, I'm beautiful right now. Like you could draw me now. I was like, I'm cute now. No offense. I've seen some of those people you've drawn. I'm cute now. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Okay. And so not everything small is cute. Um, and so it became a mo- that moment when I realized I'm actually not going to quietly let you say that without letting you know that's actually problematic. I love mm-hmm. myself so much that even that brief moment of you being disrespectful to me in, in a passive way no longer makes sense in the space that I'm creating for myself. So I'm at the space now where I love the crap out of myself. I feel like a before picture of me now would be a little too happy for TV. Be like, hey, happy before and happy after. Like, it's going to be anticlimactic. Now for me, it's only about health because in my family, my mother, to her, her, to her credit, has never, ever in my entire life said anything detrimental about my weight. She's only ever talked about health. My whole family's in nursing. So if I'm unhealthy or I'm going through something where she can tell that my health is having a problem, she'll be like, honey, you've been stressed lately. I don't want you to get hypertension like the family. Mm-hmm. But she's, but then when I lose like 15 pounds, she's like, oh, you look extra sexy today. Like <laughs> she'll cheer me on when I decide to like lose weight or get in shape, but she will never initiate. She will never. And I think it's because she knows what it's like to be judged in that way. And so she's really mindful about being kind around my body. And I think having a maternal figure who has always been so like just compassionate has taught me to have a very compassionate internal dialogue now that I'm older and realizing how powerful my body is. And also guys, I'm going to say this, um, when you lose someone to cancer and you see what it's like when the body gets out on you, it makes you so grateful just to be healthy. I'm so grateful that my body is healthy that I don't have the time to be beating it up that, uh, that it's a little bit fluffier than I would like. Like I'm just happy, especially with COVID people Mm -hmm. are, people are passing away. I'm Mm. just, so happy to be alive and so happy that I don't have any crazy health problems right now that to me, my conversation with my body is more, thank you for sticking with me. I'm sorry I abused you. Um, I'm trying to do better. I have a treadmill in my apartment right now that I walk on every day and, let, and let's see where we can get you to. So it, it, the, the relationship I have with my body now is beautiful. And when somebody says the word fat, I don't even, 
What does that mean? Okay. Some people are fast. We're all ugly to somebody, guys. Plot twist. We're all ugly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Plot to somebody. <laughs> and that brings me to me because back in the day, I was trying to be cute for everybody. And now that I know that's impossible, I can, I can relax and just be cute for myself. Agreed. That's what I agree. Blue is like, and I love what you said, blue about the <laughs> by, by the way, uh, Kia, your body is be- like when you got up, I was like, oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh. Yeah, you see it. You, you see are a whole, you are a whole like snack and a half. So it's ridiculous to me that you <laughs> say anything but great things about. Like well, I'm I mean, stop when I got to your weight. Like I'm, I think you're better. <laughs> I appreciate that. That is thank you very much. I, I think snack I am. Um, you know, I'm in therapy right now. I'm I'm dealing with some things. Um, and you know, I am a maladaptive perfectionist. Um, and I maladaptive. I'm a maladaptive perfectionist in that, (laughs) in that, um, I have an inner self critic that, that is programmed to drag me and talk me out of everything every day. And I am, I, I recognize that that's a function of the way that I was brought up and that's no shade to my, to my mom. Um, you know, she, as a result of things in her life was very hard on me. And while I value the pressure that she, why value her, uh, tenacity and the standard that she set for me as it relates to, you know, my work ethic and, uh, you know, other, my values and things about other, other, you know, important parts of my character, um, that I guess the, 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 there was a lack of balance in kind of like the nurturing and the affirmation and in the, and the love, uh, you know, like, you know, that, that as demonstrated in that, in that kind of empowerment and encouragement, um, you know, and I think that I am in the process of learning how to, um, create those spaces and environments for myself, um, and, re- and really counter, um, and I'm, I'm really working every day to, you know, d- drag the self-critic before she can drag me. Um, and, and I'm not where I'd like to be in that journey just yet. I'm, but I'm grateful because, you know, this time a couple of months ago, I would never have had the balls to say that, you know, um, I'm a perfectionist. Um, and my struggle is that I'm really hard on myself. Um, and I recognize that, you know, just me having that awareness and me and me being, um, holding myself accountable by saying these things out loud. Um, and, you know, Jade knows, and, you know, I've asked other people to partner with me and hold me accountable to being less critical of myself. So I am working toward, um, cultivating this space of like self-love and self-acceptance as it relates to all parts of my life. Um, but there is a, a target and an intentional part of that journey that is focused on health and wellness and understanding, you know, and getting to know and love and appreciate this 37 year old body and recognizing that she might not ever look like she did when she was 25 again. And that's okay. And she might not be able to do the things that she was able to do when she was 15, but that's okay. She's still strong. She's still, you know, she has, you know, I have some health issues, some, I have some autoimmune conditions and things I'm working on. But like you said, Blue, even despite that, I'm grateful and I don't take for granted the fact that my body is um, taking care of me and during such a crazy time. 
So I'm just trying to do my best to take care of it and understand what that means. So I'm, I'm trying not to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I know to do to keep myself healthy and well. I'm working out um, in, in ways that are, that, that not make, don't not only make me skinny, but make me stronger. So it's not, you know, all cardio and then eating bad. It's like me trying to eat more balanced meals and doing strength training and, you know, trying to build my endurance and stamina. And, you know, that might mean that, you know, I'm heavier than I want to be. Um, but, um, I'm trying to, (laughs) trying to find other ways to value and, and appreciate and appreciate, you know, and appreciate it because, you know, I don't, I, I, I recognize now me and friend have this conversation now. It's like, you know, um, sure. We don't look like we used to look when we were 27, but now that we 37, we going to do everything we can to be bad bitches so that when we 47, we can look back and say, at 37, girl, she, everything was in place, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so. I have a quick question for you, though. I, like, you said something that I thought was interesting about acknowledging that you're a perfectionist and because mm-hmm. perfection is actually a myth, like, it's like a, a train going nowhere. Like, you're aspiring for something that doesn't actually exist, right? Absolutely. And I, and I remember someone once said to me, and it was so interesting, he was like, the definition of success is when an expectation is met. So when people are constantly dissatisfied, it's because they never stopped and asked themselves what the end goal looks like. What is the end goal looking like? If you were to be sh- like paint a picture of your most balanced and happy self, what does she even look like? Do you even know what she looks like? I am. I am. Def- I'm defining that. But I think kind of like the framework that I am um, holding myself accountable to. I posted on my Instagram the other day is, you know, perfectionism versus excellence. So like perfectionism is like perfectionism is in service to self and in service to ego. And to me, excellence is in service to God and service to others. So when I think about myself, um, perfectionism is a, is like you said, it's a myth. It's something that is not uh, feasible. It's not even if you feel like you attain it, it's not sustainable. Um, it is it is um, an unhealthy place uh, because um, what I've learned is that there is uh, there are lessons in my limitations. The, the things that that I that when I hold myself to these standards, there that when I fall short or when I don't meet it or don't mark it, make it, you know, the right the first time, then there is something that, that comes in the process of, um, you know, revision and correction. So like you're a writer, so you know, and, um, you know, one of my accountability partners, you know, as, as academics, a lot of our productivity is tied to our scholarship or what we produce or what we publish. And uh, I, I noticed that my writing process was stalled um, because, you know, I wanted my first draft to be it. I wanted to sit down to the computer and just vomit perfection. Yes. And it was not <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I know it never happens. It's never happened for me. It's never happened for me. Right. But I, but, but that was a way that I would like, you know, to your point earlier of like, how am I full of shit today? That was a way that I would, uh, kind of keep my, myself on this, hamster wheel of uh, you know 
unproductivity, right? It's like, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm, and I look busy and I'm, and I'm spending time, but I'm, I'm exerting energy, but I'm not making any progress because I'm stuck on, you know, I would write a sentence and then revise it and then revise it and revise it and revise it. So it's not like, uh, like there would be, I would be writing for an hour, but still have like three sentences to show for it. Whereas if I would, if, <clears throat> if I, if I were to just sit down and just kind of like get it out of my head and then go back and put it together, then, you know, the revision process is where I, I feel like is, is where my writing gifts are, are most refined. So I'm trying to apply that framework to other areas of my life, right? So like me thinking that my body needs to look a certain kind of way after one week of, of working out, uh, you know, it's like, girl, what are you, dumb? Like that, that, that doesn't work that way. But there is, what am I learning? What, am, what is this season of uh, struggle and strain and accountability and, and consistency? What is this season, uh, you know, designed to teach me? How can I lean into that? And me being true to that is less about me being perfect, but more about me living with excellence and committing to... Um, um, finishing, um, and, but not, you know, not, not instead of like arriving whole, but like even, you know, even if I show up, you know, a little less than perfect or even still raggedy, like it's still, still acknowledging, um, that I, that I've come further than I was and that's okay. And then that's that, like recognizing the process or the journey, um, is kind of um, what it's all about and so like I'm I'm still figuring this all out and I'm very much in this journey now so I'm sorry if I'm not making sense and rambling but no, in, in my mind I'm thinking you it. in that class that moment when you looked in the mirror in that class that beautiful moment where you were supple you being like mm-hmm. that all the time to me would be you like that like that would be dope like if you were constantly looking in the mirror like yes God was showing out on me like if you just had that moment <laughs> all the time that you, you had it you had you, you had a glimpse of it and I want you to hold on to that glimpse I just yeah. felt so Becky and, them, and you were like, what is this? What I is this? Felt, it was so crazy. Cause I was like, yeah, it was just one of those like Wakanda moments where I was just like, look at us. Like me and this other black girl are eating this workout. Like I want are- you to be like that all the time. <laughs> I want you to walk out the house. Like I'm eating t- this Tuesday. Okay. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes, you, you had a yes, moment of it. <laughs> like you, it already happened. I mean, so don't do that. I need, yes, you're right. This is true. This is good. I'm going to lean into that. And then I'm going to jump in your DMs and be like, I had another Wakanda moment today, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that we are it? <laughs> like, yeah, I love those moments. Me, me and Jay talked this morning and there were several moments where I was like, there ain't nothing wrong with me because it happened to Jay. Jade is like, yeah, okay, copy and paste, bitch. Like, I love it. And, like, and that's why I love about meeting women who, enjoy because there's someone who clap for each other because they have to i like meeting women who actually enjoy clapping for each other i like meeting women who are like no sis i think i think you you fine as hell let's talk about it you know what i mean because (laughs) there's going to be some folks who are going to see your light and be happy that you don't see it Mm -hmm. they're going to be so relieved that you don't realize that you were baddie you know what i mean and like oh Mm -hmm. she still think that she 510 and stacked and that's a bad thing so like having people around you who are constantly seeing you clearly you guys know Antonio, he's my best friend. And there've been times where I'll be talking and I'll be like, well, you know, I'm just doing, you're not just doing anything. You're amazing. Stop. Don't do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that's Antonio that, all day. It is. Mind you, the you funny like, thing, I'm over here trying. He'll be like, no, you're not trying. You're doing. You're not <laughs> you saw that from me. So I hope he sees this, that I heard he's been saying my lines to everybody and taking credit for it. 
told you I see you. No, but the funny thing about having a best friend like that is, I remember one day I called him because we had a we used to have a really toxic friendship because you know you grow up in a community where you hear people being mm-hmm. verbally abusive and it's normalized. And we talk to each other the way our community talks to each other. Caribbean, y'all know Caribbeans and Latin Americans, okay? Yeah. You've gone to a Jamaican patty shop, you will get more verbal abuse getting octails than you probably got in the whole second half of a relationship. It's just mm-hmm. like normalized in our culture. It's not a good person or a bad thing. It's just we talk to each other real hard, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember one day Antonio and I got into this argument that by our cultural standards was a regular argument. But something in my spirit was like, this is your bestest friend. You love him. You guys have each other's backs. Why do y'all talk to each other like that? And I called him. I was like, Antonio, I've decided that I think we should talk to each other nice. He was like, what? I was like, I don't know. I just got, I I woke up from a dream. I feel like we should talk to each other nice. He's like, what are you going through? I was like, no, no, no. I just think that like, I would like to renegotiate the way that we engage with each other. (laughs) 10 years into our relationship, right? And people don't think you can do this. People think this is just, this is how we are is such a famous black saying. Well, this is just how Mm -hmm. we are. Y'all are abusive. Mm -hmm. And so to his, to his credit, <laughs> most friends would be like, girl, we've always been like this, you're tripping. He was like, okay, I'll think about it. He called me back five minutes later. He's like, all right, I'm in. What do we do? I was like, well, I've been reading books and stuff. It says that we can't uh, talk to each other crazy. And if you make me mad, I have to think about your feelings first. And uh, I can't yell in your face and call you stupid. Like I had, a, I had literally Googled it because I didn't know how to talk to, to myself nice, let alone somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was this year where we literally sat there like two babies relearning how to talk to each other because our parents, our mothers didn't know how to talk to us because they didn't know how to talk to themselves. You know what I mean? Nobody in our family had healthy ways of talking to each other. So at 27 years old, Antonio and I reprogrammed ourselves to be kind Mm -hmm. to each other. Fast forward 10 years later, when you watch us argue, it's like watching two kittens fighting over a ball of yarn. It really is. <laughs> it is the most gentle. They're like, you guys fight real loving. You guys mad is nicer than me and my boyfriend. <laughs> I would just like to let you know that you hurt my feelings when you, you know, spoke to me in this tone. <laughs> and then his response would be, oh my God, I'm mortified that I could, that I hurt you, but I fully received that happened. Like, that's how we argue. <laughs> yes. Like, that's literally how we argue. We argue like kittens, oh okay? Gosh. But the fact that, like, five years before that, we were, I remember one birthday, we argued and we punched a wall because we were like, yeah, F you. Like, we were, we were crazy. So the fact that we went from that, what we were taught as children, to now relearning at almost 30 how to be kind, that's why I get nervous when folks are like, this is just how I am. Mm-hmm. No. If two almost 30-year-olds can reprogram themselves, I don't want anybody to ever feel like, oh, well, you know, that ship has sailed. And I'm going to be honest with you, when we started talking to each other nicer, we suddenly realized how we had other people who were talking to us crazy. Mm-hmm. Now we have to renegotiate other relationships and so i'm going to be interested in your journey when you can stop saying first of all you're not a perfectionist you're a recovering perfectionist but i'm going to be interested in your journey when you're like yo i'm talking to myself nice and when you finally hear somebody else saying crazy things to you that no longer make sense and how you're gonna because that's always awkward by the way when someone who's been allowed to speak to you a certain way or engage with you a certain way has to meet the new you and the new you has new rules right it's gonna be it's going to be an experience, huh? Uh, are you looking forward to it? Or <laughs> no. your face? You're like, oh, man, no. my coworkers got to go. Like, man. And you're, and you're, well, in, the, of- you're in academia, so I can just imagine mm-hmm. how hard people are. Jesus, the ghetto. What were you going to say, Jade? How do you, that feeling that you talked about in your workout class and these feelings that you've talked about as well, Blue, how do you sustain those feelings? Like, how do you continue to sustain that feeling so that, you can build healthy muscles in talking 
to ourselves better and learning to love ourselves better. Yeah, like I want to know more about this process of unlearning because I feel like I'm on this on this journey of unlearning for myself. So like this process that you and Antonio went through about like reprogramming yourselves on how to engage each other, like, you know, just give me some insight into what that looked like. Did it take a long time? Was it challenging? I'm going to be honest because I'm compulsively honest. Um, We had to be annoying first. Like you have to make peace with the fact that you're going to be annoying to yourself and everybody around you when you're you're first doing this. So there was a time, like we'd be talking and there were certain words that I decided that we had to cut out of our diet, right? Mm -hmm. And the irony is, guys, as I was doing this, I was getting hired to do emotional intelligence workshops. So I was learning as I was teaching. I was like, this Mm -hmm. is what I learned last week, y'all. Because my thing is you can't (laughs) teach nothing that you invent through yourself. Right, so my, yeah. my, my, my clients were learning at like a week after me. We were on like a one-week delay. <laughs> like last week I learned <laughs> this. And the first thing I learned was the word should was a quietly judgmental word that I had to completely cut out of my diet. Mm-hmm. I literally do not use the word should unless I have no choice. When some, something happened, you're like, well, I should have done that. Ooh, what did you just get from that? All you did was judge the past. You judge something that can't change. I, there are very few situations where the word should is empowering. So I had to stop talking about what should have been and start focusing on what can be. Um, I had to stop saying the word, but that's also another word that's really toxic when you're on, when you're learning, like, you know, I know I'm a good person, but no, no, but negates everything that comes before it. So if you like what you're saying and then you say the word, but you just erased it. And so mm-hmm. I constantly found myself saying, I love myself and I feel bloated today. Mm-hmm. And it, it did make a difference. It actually did yeah. make a difference. And so it became something as fight, like as, annoying as constantly stopping yourself or just I mean Sonia and I don't use the word just I'd be like well you know I'm just right no you're not just you're doing you're following your dreams blue. like we have to learn how to tell ourselves to take away those words that very quietly dismantle or, or downplay things that are supposed to be beautiful and mm-hmm. uh, the accomplishments so first it started with like a word diet the word diet was annoying um and then it started off with intention second thing was intention like you can say the right things because you've read all the books but if your intention is fucked up Let's discuss that, right? So when things would happen, instead of getting mad, I would say, what was your intention in saying that? <clears throat> I feel, I, it felt shady to me, but I could just be reading it wrong. I don't know what kind of mm-hmm. day you had. What was your intention? And let's see how close you got to your intention. And the mm-hmm. thing that got, became with that is once we started talking about intention, we had to go back in time and talk about stories that we had written for each other that we did not know that we had written for each other. So for me, he was the enabler who never told people about themselves. And for him, I was the banshee who was constantly telling each other about themselves. <laughs> and so I was like, well, let's find a middle ground where we erase both of those stories and let's write a new story for each other. And he was like, well, what story do you want to write for yourself? I was like, I want you to see me as the friend who just wants you to win and is constantly looking for places that you might have missed. I was like, what story do you want me to write for you? He was like, I want you to see me as a friend who supports you and is doing my best. I was like, all right, let's, let's start over. And so moving forward, whenever we stumbled, the one promise we had is I trust your heart. Even if you hurt my feelings, I trust your heart because there's nothing worse than you're trying your best to do something. And the person who you're messing up in front of goes straight to the worst case scenario about what your intentions were. That's a very painful thing. You know what I mean? So Antonio could walk in right now with a machete and come running towards me. I'm like, he must, might just be trying to get the milk out the fridge. Let me ask him what his intention was. <laughs> Even when it seems obvious, I never assume his intentions. I let him tell me. And the final thing was, whenever we would do a major shift, we would tell each other and agree to go along with it. So if I woke up one day feeling like, 
I think I am no longer the person who's the perfectionist. I've decided I'm no longer perfectionist. I will call him and say, I decided I'm no longer perfectionist. I think I've, I'm at a place where I can call myself something else. He wouldn't say, bitch, you sure? Because last week, you, he, wouldn't do that. he wouldn't do that. He would not undermine. He'd be like, all right, bet. I'll hold you to that. I'll hold you accountable to that. And if I didn't hold myself accountable, he'd be like, remember, you told me on Tuesday, no longer perfectionist. You might be regressing a little bit. And so there was a certain grace that we gave each other. And it became this thing where it, even when we had bad, when I have a bad day, Antonio and I get on the phone and within an hour, we are cackling. The day is still bad, by the way. Like the bad mm-hmm. things still happen, but now it gets to be a funny thing that I'm unpacking with my gracious best friend who knows my heart. And when he's not around, I do it for myself. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole, and I, Jaden knows, I'm, I do workshops around this. So if anybody does need to like have a more in-depth conversation about it, I'm, I'm open to do that. We'll like, put the information in the description. Definitely. It's, it's, it's a beautiful way to be because <laughs> when you are compassionate to yourselves, being compassionate to other people, gets easier and you find yourself forgiving people that you never thought you would. And you start forgiving people who you didn't even know you were holding a grudge against. There are and people that in your includes life yourself. That includes yourself. There are people who you low-key had some salt towards, but you thought you were okay. And now that you're confronting yourself, you're like, I actually do feel a way that my ex made me feel um, I'm not beautiful and too fat and this, that, and the other. I'm going to forgive that asshole, even if he doesn't even know I'm not like... It, it becomes mm-hmm. a very beautiful. And then when you meet that ex again and they're waiting to engage in the same way and mm-hmm. you're chilling and they're doing the dance that you guys used to do and you're just watching them like, you good? How's your girlfriend? Because I'm good. Because I'm good. Yeah, so the answer to the question is it's an annoying everyday process. Every day I wake up and I say, thank you. And uh, how, what can I do to feel good about myself today? It's maintenance. It's high maintenance work, guys. There's a reason why everybody's so miserable or most people are so miserable because it's easy to be miserable. I hope I answered your question because I was really granular. I hope that wasn't like too verbose. But yeah, those are steps that I took. And it's, you're going to look crazy talking to yourself on the train, but people (laughs) who love you are going to see the difference. And then you just call people like Jade and she's like, she'll, you know, cheer you up. Jade, you are such a ray of sunshine. This morning you like really like put a smile on my face. I appreciate that call. Oh, thank you, Blue. I, we was just talking. That was such a wonderful conversation. So wonderful. I called Antonio. I said, I talked to Blue for two hours. It was amazing. <laughs> well, okay, so I want to end this on a positive note because you just transitioned that so beautifully. To leave off, and this is for both of you, what are some affirmations or rituals that you engage in that allow you to celebrate your body continually? And how would you encourage our listeners to celebrate themselves no matter where they are on this spectrum of learning to love self. I don't know. I'm I'm not good at affirmations. Um, And like, I'm just, what is kind of ringing in my mind right now? It's like what, what blues last comments were around, like, you know, how high maintenance uh, this work of kind of like, um, unlearning unhealthy practices and and um cultivating new um uh ideals and beliefs and ways of knowing and being is really hard right so i'm not at all built a muscle yet um to where i am you know made it a practice to speak kindly to myself every day um and and maybe that is, you know, my homework. Maybe that's something that I need to kind of be more diligent about. But um, when 
I guess one of the things that I do try to do um, every day is, you know, to start from a place of gratitude and from a place of faith, because those are the things that, you know, are very much kind of like the heart blood of who I am. Um, I think um, in, in modeling, I guess my aspiration for the way I want to love myself and the way I want to see myself is the way that I, I believe that God loves me and the way that I believe that God sees me. So when I pray, I ask him that very plainly. I said, help me to see myself the way that you see me. Help me to see myself. Help me to see the Kia that you had in mind when you said, I'm going to make me a Kia and she's going to be lit. Like I want to <laughs> see myself that way every day. And I want to, I want to love myself the way that I believe that God loves me because unfortunately um, at this, even at this great big age that I feel like I am right now, I don't feel like I have had a lot of healthy models or experiences of just unconditional non-transactional love. I've always um, just kind of conceptualized love as this kind of give and take or this thing that I had to earn. So my aim is to really step into a place of fearless, unconditional self-love. And I don't really know what that feels like or how that looks, but that's what I know that I want. Um, and I want to trust, um, trust the love that I know that God has for me and to, for me to be able to see it and to emulate it. Um, and I haven't gotten around to walking out the how of that yet, but I know that that's what I feel like I'm working toward. So I don't know if that is a good answer to your question, but I think that's all. I, I think that's a perfect answer. <laughs> real answer. Right. <laughs> that a real answer is a perfect answer in my eyes. As long as it's honest. What about you, Blue? Um, I have internalized a lot of beliefs around struggle that like, I think like a lot of black women, I feel like everything I need, I'm going to have to struggle for it. And I had to like dismantle that belief. And so a mantra that I started saying during like panic attacks or a moment where I feel like, why does it have to be so hard for me? I started saying, I get everything I want, need, and deserve with elegance and ease. Um, I kept on saying it. I get everything I want, need, and deserve with elegance and ease. I had to keep saying it over and over again. I would say it in the shower um, because I, I needed to start talking to myself as if I could get things without struggling for them. Like the, the idea of the cost of admission would always have to be high. I had to stop myself from believing that because I think a lot, of, a lot of us believe that it has to be hard for it to be valid. Um, I started doing shower meditations where I would wake up in the morning. My favorites. Yeah, and when I was showering, I would literally imagine that every good thing I wanted was pouring like over me and every bad thing that I didn't deserve was like washing away. Um, I started taking spiritual baths. Um, Jade knows this. I do... I make spiritual candles and it's funny because I was raised in the church. So in the church, they call them prayer candles. Um, in traditional African religions, they call them conjure candles. People who are non-denominational call them manifestation candles, whatever they are. I would start taking these really lovely spiritual baths and I would light these candles and I would just pray. Like I, I would pray to my aunt who passed. I would just talk and, and light the candle and just talk about this is the life that I'm creating for myself in the present tense. Everything I say, I say it in the present tense, whether it's happening or not. Um, I don't believe in fake it till you make it. I believe in claim it till you become it. And a lot of things I've claimed I've become without even realizing it. Um, and also I do this thing where I look back five years. I'm like five years ago, 
I was wishing for the very things I'm taking for granted right now. Mm-hmm. And I always make myself, I'll be talking to each other, I'm like, Antonio, this time last year, I was worried about blankety blank. I'm not worried about that hoe no more. Like, I literally <laughs> make myself take inventory because we often make strides that we don't take inventory of. And so I'm constantly looking back, this time last year, where was I? And I'm like, oh, snap, I really have made some moves. You know what I mean? It's like when you lose weight, you don't see it. And then you see your friends and they're all freaking out because they can see you lost weight. That's how it mm-hmm. kind of is with emotions. Um, and the last thing is, too, is when I'm having a bad day, because anxiety runs he- heavy in my family, despite the work that I do, I was like, Lou, you're having a bad day. You're feeling something. And what you're feeling right now, use that when you come out of it to help people, other people who feel like this. And so there's an old saying, when you can't take it anymore, give. Being of service has been the most life-transforming thing possible because every time I talk to someone who's where I was last week or last month or last year and what I went through can in some way inform how I help them, I'm like, ah, it had value. Like everything I've gone through had value and and being able to say that and not regretting my journey as painful as it's been um, has been life-altering. So I think a lot of people, they're so busy worrying about fixing themselves, they don't realize that being of service is a huge part of this. Being a part of something bigger than yourself really does give your pain purpose. And that helps a lot. Woo. I hope y'all took all of that in. All of it. <laughs> Blue, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming Absolutely. on. Can you please tell everybody where to find you? And we're going to put your information in the description box as well for your services. Um, I definitely, I just want to say really quick that I just love that you and Kia were so... Uh, open today because I feel like a lot of people are going to be listening to this and they might not relate to me because I've been told I'm a little weird but they're definitely <laughs> they're like, well, you don't think normal um but um they're definitely going to relate to uh, to what was said especially the particularly vulnerable things that were said and I just mm-hmm. want to hold space to thank you for being so vulnerable and so honest because there are people who fake the funk and who would have answered these questions in ways that were prettier um, and, and every juncture, you were so authentic. And I just feel like really happy that I got to be doing this with someone so honest. Because, you know, as an empath, when I talk to people, people say nice things to me all the time and they're full of shit. It's always lovely when someone's like, look, I don't know. I'm figuring it out, sis. Like, there's something so, <laughs> there's something so refreshing about that. It really made me smile because it tells me so much about your heart. Um, and so I just hope anybody that's relating to what you said, like, gives themselves that same grace. You know what I mean? Um, but I can be found uh, at Bluecentric, B-L-U-E-C-E-N-T-R-I-C, um, on uh, Instagram and on Twitters. But I'm more on Instagram. And I'm coming out with a line of healing products because so many people are in pain right now because of what's happening with COVID and the economy mm-hmm. and the uprising that I want to just be a more active part in giving people tools. When people say, Blue, how do you heal yourself? I don't want to just give a speech and say something pretty, I actually want to be able to give them tools. So I'm developing those workshops that I used to do in person. I'm going to start doing them online. And those products that I've been using myself and with my family, I'm going to start offering them to the public because I want people to start re-engaging with what it means to work through their stuff. We all talk about doing the work, but a lot of people don't even know what that even means. So mm. my passion is making the work. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Blue. Thank you for coming on. This is such a such a lovely conversation. I know this. And, uh, I love you guys so much. Please find me on the Instagram, Kia. I love you. Sorry. I will. I definitely will. I'm about to do it right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you seen it. <laughs> Yay, tribe, tribe, gang, gang, banda, banda. Oh. friends. So make sure you check out all of Blue's information in the description box. For sure. 
But now we're going to move along to our honesty box quickly and swiftly. So let's get there. Honestly? Truly. Okay, so our honesty box is a little different this week. Um, so, you know, we had our conversation last week about grief uh, in celebration of Brian's birthday, but it it really turned into a very honest and vulnerable segment. Absolutely. And Kia, you resonated and just really, really, really did a beautiful thing for so many people who are dealing with grief and that vulnerability. And um, I've just been seeing an outpouring of love. There's so much love in the comments all over the place. So I wanted to read. Um, we had a few a few emails that came through, um, but I wanted to read one or two just to kind of let you know how that vulnerability has helped others. Oh, no. And I thought that would be a nice honesty box this week. So we have one that says, good afternoon, ladies. My name I'm not going to say her name because she did not tell us we could. You want to give her a moniker? Uh, sure. Let's call no. her. Or a pseudonym. Uh, Babs. Babs. My name is Babs. And as I listen to the podcast, I'm in tears with Kia. Uncontrollable tears. Aww. I lost my father April 30th. And since then, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster of emotions. And it's exhausting. I want to yell. I want to shout. I'm so angry. I literally did feel as if the floor beneath my feet was snatched from me and I've been trying to find my way back ever since. It's been so, so hard, especially given the complexities of my upbringing because he was not around until the latter years of my life. Even then, I know that he loved me so very much. And despite the circumstances between he and my mother, I know that he adored me. It pains me every day that he won't be able to see his grandchildren grow up, that he won't be able to see me get married. The future milestones I look forward to having him present won't happen, a uh, present for and it won't happen. And it's so hard coming to terms with that. I feel so broken. I feel so lost. I feel so helpless. And I find myself bartering to have him back. I remember during the first couple days after he passed, I had asked him for a sign that he was okay. It was late, and I usually have Alexa play lullabies at night to keep my two kids asleep. Then Remember Me from the Pixar movie Coco came on, and I just cried like a baby. Man, she said not the upbeat Miguel version, but the ballad. <laughs> Despite my crying, I knew it was him letting me know that although he was not physically here, his spirit is still around. I believe in no coincidences, and I am positive this episode came in a timely fashion as reassurance that my grief is okay. I'm allowed to grieve in my own way or fashion, regardless of my relationship with my father, and absolutely no one and nothing can take that away from me. Thank you both so much for your words of wisdom every week, your jokes that keep me smiling, and Jade's serenades in the beginning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Continue blessing everyone who listens. And again, thank you so much for this episode. I needed it more than ever. So Man. I thought that was a really beautiful um sentiment and then uh we also i'll read one more we got a few of them um and this one's a little shorter uh but um are you want to give another pseudonym um cc cc thank you babs for writing in <laughs> now we'll cc cc says hi jade and kia i just listened to the most recent episode you both are incredible um she talks about creating space for you kia uh which i'm always gonna do so in doing so many of us felt affirmed as we connected with kia's story 
Grief smacks us in the face for many different reasons, but Kia's words translate over many different circumstances. Much of my grief has stemmed from grieving relationships with people I thought would never leave. I felt every word. Kia, you're so brave and I'm so proud of you. You spoke so beautifully and boldly about your experience. You celebrated Brian in such a beautiful way and the people who support you will never forget him. I'm so happy that he's here with you, providing subtle reminders that he will never leave. I love this space that you all have created. Getting grown is the shit. I love y'all. And that's from CC. I'm just so very grateful um, to know. I mean, I I mean, y'all are thanking me, but I feel like I need to thank you all for um, affirming me um, in these ways. Uh, Jay will tell you this has been a long journey, and for a long time, I never felt ready mm-hmm. to talk about grief because um, it's still mm-hmm. such an open wound. Um, but there have been there has been such an outpouring of um, response uh, from other grieving hearts, and um, to know that folks have connected to and found resonance in my journey um, really, really does give me uh, strength and affirms the purpose. Uh, behind the pain so I, I don't take it for granted um, you know that that you guys would listen and would you know even take time to let let me know that you know you um, were encouraged by anything that I, that I said so I I, I want to thank you guys um, and, and I apologize if I've not I mean I tried to respond to every DM and retweet and thank you guys on on twitter and the comments but i haven't been able to to talk to you all but know that from my heart i i just really really appreciate you everybody appreciate you sis Mm -hmm. it's you know sometimes people need to need to be affirmed that they are not and they're not on their own and how they're feeling and so grief is one of those really tender topics um that it's it's there's a weird you know solace in knowing that there are other people who are experiencing this with you not that you want people to feel that way but you know Mm -hmm. that you're not by yourself in those feelings so that's a beautiful thing that you did by sharing that and I know your journey so I know how hard it's been for you um and I'm really really proud of you but we have a quick black woman self-care and a petty peeve to move along to. So let's do that. Okay, okay, okay. I deserve All right, ladies, gents, our beloveds in the non-binary. Um, Everybody. My black woman's, yes. My black woman self-care is uh, very brief and very old auntie of me, but it is what it is. So I had a a craving, a hankering, a taste for a pot of greens. So I went to the store Mm. and bought myself some collards Mm -hmm. and some turkey necks, some chicken stock. 
and all the things that I needed to have myself a pot of greens. And I prepared yes. myself a pot of greens and even fixed myself some cornbread to complement my greens. And I sat down with mm. my greens and turkey necks and cornbread and had myself a good time. Yes. Oh, that sounds delicious. I deserved it. I really did. Now I want a pot of greens. I and mean, some I just bread. felt like I needed the comfort. And I maybe it's because I haven't seen my mama or my grandmama in six months or anything like that. You know, I just and then maybe, you know, I haven't had a sun uh, like a, you know, a Sunday dinner. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I just wanted to kind of just have, you know, cook some some old good old black woman southern yes. black woman food in my home and that's what i did now you make me want to make a pot of beans and some cornbread for dinner greens call week. it greens i know but now i want to make some beans oh yes you know <laughs> whatever whatever I do you with, need i would like some greens as well whatever you need but, but not just, at the same time because that sounds explosive i was very proud of myself you know i was very proud of myself i like to cook vegetables and you know i feel like we are mm-hmm. just in the gender our generation we don't really value these kinds of things anymore because you know the girls like to make taco tuesday whatever but i just i enjoy <laughs> i still enjoy the food i grew up with and i know it was probably inappropriate but i found myself i fell down a rabbit hole on youtube cooking videos and i stumbled across paula dean's racist behind and i sat and watched her make chicken and dumplings and i was just like you know <laughs> This just, I know that, I know that she is, you know, has her biases, but she made these chicken and dumplings like my grandmama would. And I just enjoyed watching her create them. Every once in a while, Paula Jean is good for something. Now, when she put those tea sandwiches in butter and then rolled them in chives, I was good. I was done. Oh yeah. I don't, but, I don't, I don't, I don't know. think she, there's just a certain lane that she's got to stay within. <laughs> when she yeah. she don't have yes. no business making no tea sandwiches <laughs> period she made some tea sandwiches no, some little you. cucumbers so for a tea party mm-hmm. and then put butter on the where she had cut the crust off made them little squares put butter and then rolled them in little things to decorate them she is very like she puts butter on everything i hope that her i don't know where her hypertension is given but my god my love butter okay Butter is amazing. The Lord gave it to us. Now, what is your black woman? What's my black woman self? Yeah, what's my black woman self care this week? I didn't do a lot. It's been a very. I'm just gonna be quite honest. Um, I did take so in between having to film today and record tonight, I realized that I was beyond exhausted. So I did allow myself to lay down and take a 20-minute nap. Congratulations. Just to refresh myself really quickly, I said, you know, I could be pulling some of this stuff together for the show like really early. I could be washing up a couple dishes, maybe getting dinner started so that it's ready to go by the time it's time for me to record. But I said, I'm really tired. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to lay down and I'm going to take this nap. And I know that's probably been a black woman self-care before, but I don't think you all understand the feat it is for me to actually sit my body down and do something like that. So um, that is my black woman self-care for the week. Amen. Your girl is exhausted, but we got petty peeves. So let's get on over there. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister, because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y. Uh-huh. 
All right. Um, my petty peeve is extraordinarily petty, and it's so petty that I'm sure that I've said it before. Um, <laughs> I'm annoyed. Okay, let me see how I want to say this. Y'all know how I get hung up on my name and how people say it. Mm-hmm. What irritates me, and I know that this is this is I know that this is petty because it's literally because people are taking time to like look at my name and you know take their very best shot. <laughs> but I am annoyed by the pause. Hit me with your best shot. I'm annoyed Sorry. by the pause or like, you know, so like, especially when we go Orange Theory or like, you know, in any, in any instance, I remember this even when I was a young last, um, you know, attendance in class, when I go to meetings or conferences, if I'm ever on like, you know, even conference calls now when you, um, introducing yourself, you see people trying to read your name and you can see that they try to figure out how to say it. That annoys me. <laughs> I mean, I would just rather you say, <laughs> how do you say your name? So I could tell you. But like, you know, I, that pause, it's like, especially like if you're reading a list of names, it's like, oh, okay, um, we want to thank, you know, William and Claude and um, uh, Justine and uh, Yesenia and... <laughs> and I'm like, it's to kid. Like that pause just gets on my nerves. It gets on my nerves because <laughs> you knew yours was coming up. I just like, girl, I know you can't say it, okay? Like, I know you can't say it, so just <laughs> ask me how to say it, or you know, I don't know. Like, ugh, it just irritates, and that's what I'm saying. I know it's it's stupid, it's very petty, it happens, but it irritates me. It irritates me, or like you know, in high when I was uh, in high school, they would say a bunch of first names like Jay, Fran, Asante, Miss Robinson. Like, oh god. Oh, that's me. You know, the one with the complicated name that you're afraid to say. Okay. All right. And I understand, but I know that this is petty because I'm going to get annoyed if you try to say it and say it wrong. And I'm now I'm getting annoyed because you're taking the time to try to say it right. But either way, <laughs> just ask me. If you don't know, just ask me. Just ask me. That's all. That is very fair. It really, and that's for anybody, because I'll do it. I'll, I'm sorry. How do you pronounce your name? Yes. Even if I forget somebody's name, I'm like, what's your name again? I am so sorry. I, I do it all the People time. People will give you a lot more grace than you realize when you're just like honest about it. <laughs> Names are so important, right? So it's just like. They really are. Um, one of the coaches at, at the gym, she says Takea, which is irritating because I'm just mm. like all three of those vowels at the end of my name suggest like Takea, like doesn't make any sense. So you would look at like that E and I together, that E would never be short girl. <laughs> never. No, it never, it's, it would never it would make never that pronunciation. Like that's not how that, that letter works. Um, and I'm a no, I'm like, I don't get why she does it because she has said my name correctly before. And I don't know if, you know, over the quarantine, something happened and she forgot. But I'm gonna have to find a way to be like this. <laughs> just call me Kia. Oh no, I would say shout it from the from the rooftops, just from the me, mountaintops. Just call say, me Kia. It's Takia. And I'm I think I might go. I'm gonna go see if I can kind of change the way my name shows up on the um like I wanna change my name in the system. Cause right now it's kind of mm -hmm. it's, it's my first name and my and my first initial. And I just wanted to say Kia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Because just, just like Kia. Just like Kia, girl. That's fair. Because, I mean, these people can't I have a friend it. who actually, she her name is Shantae. And the way her mom spelled it, it looked like Shanta. Mm-hmm. But it was Shantae. And she started just adding the Y yeah. at certain places just because she didn't feel like it. going through it. You can't handle it. And, it's fine. and so she was like, no, it doesn't have a Y, but... And I know that I'm gonna go ahead and put this on here. Yeah, because it is it is taxing, and maybe this is one of the things that I'm still working through. But it's ta- and, and it's 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 taxing to have to. I don't know. It's it's that kind to to have to instruct people on how. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say it like that because I, I guess I don't know. I wish that I didn't have to. Um, do it. <laughs> Maybe I, I wish I didn't have to. That's fair. I really wish I just. That's what I'm saying. If I ever become a mom, my child is going to be named him or her. Period. <laughs> because I can't deal with it, and I refuse to pass this trauma on to the next generation. I won't do it. I'm going to have. I mean, the most basic of names i promise you yeah come here it will be her you bring your behind in here and sit down her i'm gonna be singing it because i'm not dealing with it i'm not going to i'm not going to send you into a world that is going to you know do this to you for the rest of your life i can't do it then you go send them into a world where they're gonna be like wait your name is her yes it is her yes that's what y'all know how to pronounce that she she my name is she (laughs) (laughs) she and he you have twins she and he he. they sound like little Mm -hmm. little dr seuss characters that's it because think what a thing too oh my gosh what's my petty peeve this week people who litter I saw somebody throw a whole Dunkin' Donuts bag oh, out the window and it just irritated my entire oh, existence. Man. If you litter, you don't have no place in our in our lives. Like I can't fool with you as a Especially as a human York, being. Just as there a there is literally a trash can every twelve steps. If you walk it down the street, that's, there all, that, literally that's what I'm a saying. Trash can every twelve steps. I don't understand. And if there's not one in 12 steps and there's one in 20 steps, then hold your trash until you get 20 steps. What makes you think that you are so good, that you are just too good on this earth where you can't wait and put your trash in a trash can when you get to one? There are niggas who live in cities where there's not trash cans every 20 steps and they eat food and they also throw their 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 litter out the window. And I think that's disgusting. But then there's other people who wait and they get home and they throw it away. Don't be true. It just I just feel like it's the ultimate level of trifling people who litter. It is like the ultimate level. And it blows me. These masks all there's masks all on the ground. Those little blue and white masks are all over the place. And I'm like, did you like just rip the shit off your face and drop it on the ground like you biohazard? So that's my petty peeve this week because I'm over people who litter. I'm over just filth and just disgust. I'm just disgusted with people, people like that. Um, But that's another episode of Getting Grown. Thank you all so much for sitting with us at the kitchen table. Thank you again to Blue yes. for coming through. 
you know, blue is a that blue is a strong woman, and I live for it. I love it. She 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 stands in it. So we really appreciate that. Sis, you want to take them out? Absolutely. Listen, guys, be safe out here. Uh, watch your backs and your fronts, and look out for the for that for those of the people around you, um, if you can. Uh, continue to. Uh, Drink your water because hydration is essential, especially since it has been 1,000 degrees here. Um, We don't have time for anybody (laughs) to be passing out in the street because CPR is canceled due to the coronavirus. I would also like to add this to our outro because y'all don't know how to act. Wear a mask, please. Please. Wear it. Just wear it, girl. Just wear it. Please. Um, Moisturize your skin. Um, because you know age is a thing and the only way that our melanin uh works is if we keep it moist hello um that's it and mind the business that the lord gave you okay because that's all that you are responsible for um but yes uh, moisturize your skin very important because your black will crack if it's dry and your thighs will chafe if they're dry (laughs) bye (laughs) ew that hurts out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Bye. Uh, ben and Jerry's three new non-dairy frozen desserts are a new twist on vegan euphoria. The Ben and Jerry's flavor gurus have taken a big leap this time. Their three new non-dairy flavors are made with sunflower butter, and they're the perfect sweet treat for vegans, vegetarians, and everyone in between. Check out the Ben and Jerry's sunflower butter lineup and the whole non-dairy family at benjerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com. <laughs>